0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of African Business Stories, your insight into female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. I'm your host, Akego Koye, and on the show today, I'll be chatting with Lucia Bakulumpaji-Wamala, founder and CEO Bakulu Power in Uganda. We chat about how an unplanned pregnancy changed the course of her life setting up a power generation company with no engineering background, dealing with imposter syndrome, and much more. It was such a real conversation, guys. Let's get into it. Hi, Lucia. Welcome to African Business Stories. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm glad that we could finally do this. So you have a very interesting background, and I wanted to talk a bit about it um, before we go into your entrepreneurial journey. Um, So you were born in Kenya to Ugandan parents, and then you moved to Canada shortly after. So can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I'm the youngest in my family. So I was born during the war. If you know anything about Uganda or have ever heard our president speak, (laughs) they talk about the war. All the time. You'll always hear the bush in right. 1986 this and 1986 that. It makes a lot of people like roll their eyes. But I was born during that war. Like my older sisters remember war. I don't because by the time I was born, mm-hmm. I believe the story I'm told is that my mom and like her her best friend literally like ran to Kenya. So like one of my mom's best friends, is she's even still alive. And she'll talk about one of my sisters who she's like, I carried her on my back when we went to Kenya. So I was born once we'd gotten to Kenya. So yeah, I um obviously I don't have any memory of living there. I was very small when we came to Canada and we were lucky to come
0: as refugees. Wow. That's that's interesting. So So I know that you you lost your mom while you were a teenager. Yeah. And, um, I mean, your dad a little earlier than that as well. So so I wonder what what fun memories of your mom you you have. Oh, well, I mean, my mom, honestly,
1: sometimes I feel like I've, like, you can feel like you've enshrined someone sometimes, but then when I talk to my siblings, like, we all, had the same experience and you can have like, that can sound really obvious to anyone listening, but you can all be in the same home and hmm. have a very different experience, a very different quality. Right. So all of us have the same memory of our mom being like literally like an angel. She was just the nicest woman. I don't, actually the word, the word nice, I don't like much because nice can be a bit phony. She was the kindest woman. She was so calm She was so generous. And now that I'm grown and especially having a child, I'm like, how is she so nice? Like, she lived the craziest life. Hmm. Like, you have six children by yourself. You've lived in, like, all this crazy stuff. And you would never be able to tell. Like, you, you would never be able to tell. She was so sweet. And, like, I have a kind of a special spot. For like my friends, like I'm, I'm really lucky. I have friends from kindergarten, like who are hmm. still my homegirls, you know. So I have a special spot for those old school friends who knew my mom, right? And they'll all say like she was just the nicest, nicest woman.
0: So you have you have five siblings. Are you guys close?
1: We're all very close. I'm so lucky because, especially like when you lose right. the matriarch, family. Like me, my father died when I was like two. So you know that's old story but when you lose the matrix you can lose like the glue of a family but we're all still so close i talked to my brother almost every single day i to almost all of them every day
0: that's lovely yeah you are lucky that's amazing so so where did you go to college and what did you study i have a degree from ottawa u
1: in public administration and it's i have a specialization in um community intervention I also did a small stint at Harvard Executive Business School. I didn't. Um, I didn't finish. I had a real life opportunity that came up during my last, um, my last set, my last kind of session or term, whatever. And I was I went with real life, and I went to Cambridge in the UK for also like an executive program.
0: You did that degree, but then you started your career in fashion. Yeah.
1: Well, I always. I mean, I'm five nine. But I'm not skinny <laughs> enough to be a model. So I I think having the height kind of makes you feel like, well, maybe I, I, I just didn't have what it takes to be a model. So, I mean, I wanted to do that. And then I was kind of like, well, if I can't do that, like, I'd love to represent people. And I've always been like a cheerleader for, you know, my friends. I, I like seeing people get where they want to go. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I can try that. So I used to, I started being a model booker and I didn't like it because I just didn't like politely telling people to stop eating. Um, it didn't feel good. Uh, so then I, I went out and I represented like makeup artists and stylists and like food stylists and all these kind of jobs you don't even know require agents. Um... And yeah, I just always liked fashion. Like I remember I, I went through so many different phases. I wanted to be a personal shopper or I just always I always liked it. And I did that while going to university. So I would I remember at one time I was in university in Ottawa, but I actually worked in Toronto. I don't mm. even know how that made sense. So I would just like skip all my classes. And then like come to Toronto and my sisters lived here and like go and work at the agency and then like go home to like write a (laughs) midterm. So that's what I did for a long time. And that's what I thought I would do forever. I got into an MBA program in New York at Pratt. So I was going to study luxury management. So my dream was like to work for, I remember I even had an interview with Balenciaga or actually it was the company that owns Balenciaga. Um, and then I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And I got into the MBA program and then I, you know, I feel like we should have dramatic music. And then I found out I was pregnant. It was like, okay, what? this is not going to work. So,
0: wow. So you were, you were building, you were, you were building up to have this fabulous career in fashion, sign up for this MBA. And then you find out that you're pregnant. Yeah. Like, like what's happening in your mind at that particular moment?
1: Well, I remember, I mean, honestly, I want to be TMI, but this is like women. We're all women talking. So I remember I lived in like a townhouse in Ottawa and I gave my two months notice. I'm like, I'm moving to New York. Like I'm so fancy. And you have to understand like Ottawa. Yeah, it's the capital city of Canada. Yes. And it's not like a small town, but it kind of is (laughs) like, it's like a small town city vibe where when I was in high school, like, like, concerts didn't even, the artists didn't even stop in Ottawa. If you wanted to see like Destiny's Child, you had to go to Montreal or Toronto, like that Ottawa. So New York is a big deal (laughs) if you're from Ottawa. So I remember I gave like my two months at the townhouse and I was working at the government at the time. That's what you do when you live in Ottawa. And I quit my job and I was even like pretty skinny at the moment. So I was like giving away all my clothes and stuff. And I remember going, I had a, A UTI, like a urinary tract infection. So I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a UTI. I'm like, whatever. So then I felt like, oh, I I think I have a UTI again. Like, nope, whatever. So I go to the doctor and I guess because I just had one, the doctor knows like you tend to get them when you're pregnant. So I remember he comes back in the room and he's like, oh, so you have a UTI. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'll take my meds by. He's like, and you're pregnant. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask that. (laughs) Like, and I remember I just like,
0: I cried the whole way home. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Wow. So I read that you, you had a trip planned to Uganda. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I know when you have this kind of life altering um, experience, taking time out to refocus is always good. The experience you had in Uganda definitely changed the course of your life forever. Yeah. So, so yeah. So just tell us what was going on when you got to Uganda.
1: Well, so I I had already planned to go because I was hoping to find like one of my late parents friends or relatives or someone who would pay for my MBA.
0: That's okay. why I was that's the reason to go. you were going in the first place.
1: Yeah, it was like operation New York. So then all this happens and I was just like it was very very um turbulent time, but um one of my sisters was like just go anyways. So I went and it was kind of funny. I didn't I was so just like jumbled up in my brain. remember when I got to Entebbe, I realized, oh my God, I don't know who's picking me up. (laughs) I mean, I had only been to Uganda once before for my mom's funeral. So I Hmm. like, you know, you're in such a state of trauma. Like I never formed like real kind of solid memories then. So I kind of remember looking just for who was like the happiest to see me. I'm like, okay, that must be my cousin. Let's go. So yeah, it was totally like this come to Jesus moment, uh, like at the risk of sounding more dramatic than I already sound. (laughs) I think it was just – it was really when I went to my mom's grave when suddenly it was like, oh, my God, like she's never going to meet my daughter. I I didn't know I was having a daughter then. But she's never going to meet this baby. Like she's never – gonna see me get married and it was just like all like oh my god i was so overwhelmed and then i i don't know i just started thinking like i would hear people tell people would tell me stories about my mom and you know my father and then i was you just hear these stories of how like fantastic these people were and then you're like well i tell people to stop eating every day (laughs) you know and you're kind of like okay maybe i could do something like no disrespect to agents um but i was kind of like maybe i can do something a little bit Better, I don't know, more meaningful. And mm. yeah, it just completely changed everything. But I think, I mean, you're also a mother. So I think a lot of times it's, or it's not that uncommon for a woman mm. to have a child and then kind of maybe not want to go back to their job or kind of start to, it just changes the way you think.
0: Up until that point, had you ever done any business or had you done anything, done any kind of entrepreneurial stints or anything?
1: No, I mean, I had, in course, opening a business in Canada is really easy. You just Hmm. go online and you pay $200 and it's now that I have a business, like a real business, I see that that's just kind of like the registrar. But you feel like, oh, I'm a business owner now. So I did have a stint when I wanted to be a personal shopper with my friend where we had started this company called, her name's Nancy, and it was called Lucid Nance. And, like, we had a logo and everything, and we were going to be these fabulous personal shoppers, but it never got much further than the $200 we paid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, no, to say that, like, did I ever have a real business? No.
0: Right. Okay, so in in your reflecting in while well, while you were in Uganda, what kind of ideas were you were you were coming to you while you were in Uganda?
1: I mean, and it's actually still what fascinates me. It was waste management. I okay. I never it's, it's weird because I I don't even like taking out the garbage in my condo. If we're being honest, <laughs> I don't even like that, but I find it fascinating. So I used to see you know, like Uganda, not no disrespect, but it was a little bit dirty in Kampala, you know? And where my cousin lived, my cousin, um, they live in Gayaza. And as we would drive towards Gayaza, like the the landfill's the same direction. So I would see some garbage that maybe didn't make it to the landfill. So for some reason, it just, I don't know, it caught my interest. And I kept Every day we drive back from town. I just kind of look at this garbage and I'm like, you know, it was largely agricultural, and I Mm. think like you could do something with this. There must be something you could do. So I mean, I went through all sorts of. One of my cousins is like, let's make bricks and let's, you know, all all sorts of ideas. But it was really the garbage that got me. And then as I started to read about it. I thought about, well, what about like waste to energy? So that was the first I'd never thought about energy before, and right. it's really kind of funny that I work in energy now because I'm notorious for leaving all the lights on <laughs> to this day <laughs> to this day. I'm like notorious for it.
0: Wow, so so you come back to Canada mm-hmm. and and how do you then practically go from an idea to a business plan to actually you know setting up the company?
1: The first thing I did I would join groups. Right. I joined like I mean what I, I women waste pickers of India like I like right. the craziest groups. Informal women in Bangladesh like I was just joining any group I could and I was just reading. So right. I started reading more and more and then I uh, my field of interest started to get more narrow became less about waste pickers and more about waste to energy than less about waste to just energy. And um, how I actually really started it, I told I asked my brother about it. And at first I had incorporated hmm. a nonprofit in Canada. Because I thought that's okay, that's how I can do something. And then again, like just kind of one conversation changed my brain. Someone told me they're like, if you really want to help people and do what you say you want hmm. to do back home it should be a for-profit, you should be paying taxes, you should be hiring people in Uganda. And I'm like, all right, girl, how am I supposed to do that? Like, bye. And then I, I just would talk to my brother, like, it was just a series of conversations. So that's why, like, even like doing this with you right now, I like it, because sometimes, like, you'll probably say something to me today, and you won't even know what you said. But it'll be like, oh, I didn't think of that, you know, and I'll, Go and run with that. And I think it's also a big um, benefit of being a novice. You know, like I think if I were an engineer, I'd be like, no, that's not what I learned in school. Or, you know, I would have all mental blocks. Whereas I'm just so green, <laughs> no pun intended, I'm so green at all of it. I know that I have to learn. So. Yeah. So I talked to my brother and I'm like, it was just like, let's just try. And I would just talk to my cousins back home. And it was literally as simple as like, Do you know a lawyer? Do you know an accountant? Do you know how to do like and I have one cousin who his name's Pius and I always joke, I'm like, You gotta be like, I gotta give you some shares because you built my company. <laughs> I just ask asking, Do you know this person? Do you know that person? And I still that's how I still operate. Wow.
0: So tell us about Bakulu Power.
1: Okay, I was, gonna sip, I was just going to have a sip of wine, but I'll wait. Um, <laughs> so we are, and it's, so, it's funny, sometimes I feel like I have a communication issue. So we're developers. We develop okay. energy infrastructure in Uganda. So it's primarily mini grids, um, pretty much always renewable energy. Um, so we do, as developer, you know, you take the project from, the licensing phase all the way up to operations. Uh, why sometimes I say I have a hard time communicating is because typically there's one company that is a developer and then right. you have one company, which is the generation company or Genco. Then you have another company that's the distributor. And yeah. then you yeah. sell like, but we do all of it. So nice. sometimes it's a little confusing, but yeah, so we generate, distribute, sell electricity, purify water
0: how how does the operation work are you in a particular village are you in a city um how does your operation work and how did you decide where where to to start off that's a good question
1: well i mean we did not start where we are now (laughs) went through a couple different projects and a couple you know try to develop a couple different things before um they're all problematic but our, I mean, our office is in Kampala in the city, and where our projects are now, okay. they're in um, a district called Buvuma. I feel like I'm like the spokesperson for Buvuma. I'm always talking Buvuma. But um, why we chose this particular district is because it doesn't have any electricity right now. It is the one district, and again, if you're Ugandan, you know there's like ten thousand districts, (laughs) but it's the one district that has no presence of the national grid. Like that was one of the places we looked at because um, Vuvuma district's made up of islands, and the law is different over there. So on mainland, you would not be the genco and the distributor like that. That that's not how it works on mainland, but off but off grid, what they call it it's a it's a very different legally so that was the one thing where we're like okay we can hmm. kind of do more off grid and this place is really um in need
0: how many people living that in the community
1: well the communities like so we uh, have projects on three islands and um okay. on those three islands there's about 8000 people
0: who will benefit yeah from electricity so let's talk money okay i like money so so how were you able to how were you able to 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 fund all of this like I mean I know that you're one raises money throughout the lifetime of 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 a business how do you go about starting a a power company
1: well I mean honestly to this day we're still self-financed which keeps me up at night um all of my siblings we're all shareholders like it's really a family company and I mean, my, my brother fits the bill for a lot, um, but we all pay. And it's like, sometimes it's as simple as like in the beginning when it's like, okay, well, it costs this much to incorporate. It's, it's, you know, it's, and remember I live in Canada and Uganda, they take US dollars. So we're going mm-hmm. you know, to the, the loonie's is not as strong as the greenback, but um, it would be as simple as like, okay, like, can we split this bill? You know, like it. It really was never the sophisticated thing, and you know you apply for grants, sometimes that's more trouble than it's worth, unfortunately, but yeah, we've been self financed in the beginning. We just started, and you just take it day by day i think like i just i think sometimes it's hard because you read and I read a lot of um biographies, I watch a lot of people's interviews, and you can kind of feel like somebody had either like a trust fund or You can feel like there was some magic part of the story that doesn't apply to you. Hmm. And you're like, well, I don't have that. I can't start anything. But for us, it's just like take it kind of day by day as much as you can and just keep going. Because literally every day is a completely different day.
0: Hmm.
1: So do you have any intentions to raise money? Oh, I mean, my, my if any of the engineers were hearing, they'd be like looking at me crazy because all they say is, yeah, that's cute, Lucy fundraise. That's cute, Lucy. Where's the money? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, guys, it takes time. So I am that's like my chief task is to raise money, constantly looking for money and just trying to be creative because, you know, the, the, it's a funny issue and it's. It's been a funny experience for me to come in as a novice, and yet somehow I find myself talking to like heads of state. I found myself, you know, like I learned, especially when I was in the working group of the European Union, sitting with like all the developmental finance organizations in Europe. Or you're sitting with just these huge, you know, the people who you just dream like, oh, my goodness, I see their logo at the bottom of like a grant application. And it would just be interesting to hear the way they speak. And then you look in real life and you're like, well, you guys talk about, you know, uh, green energy and supporting women and Africa and youth and all these things. And I'm like, I'm right here. And then it's like, oh, well, you know what? Your project doesn't cost enough money. Wow. That's one thing that's very challenging. And I, I take my hat off to a lot of DFIs and investors where they're trying to figure it out, where they'll say, you know, a typical investor in the energy space is thinking of a dam. So mm-hmm. they're looking at huge a huge dollar amount. But so there's that kind of investor, then there's the kind of person who's a bit more on the level of like a Kiva of a Kiva grant. Whereas projects like ours are right like they're in the middle. But Mm. to an investor, it's like, well, it costs them the same amount in lawyer fees to do the due diligence on work like mine, they may as well just go talk to, you know, go look at Grand Renaissance Dam or Grand Mm. Inca. But then you're kind of like I'm not holding my breath for Grand Inga to ever be built. Like not saying it can't be, but that's, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah. It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge, especially for, for businesses on the continent raising money.
1: Like it's a huge challenge. It's, and I guess for me, that's where again, being like, kind of like an outsider is good because I'm like, all right, bet there's a lot of money in this world. I'm not beholden to just like this one Traditional kind of investor. There is so much money and money needs to move. So let me just kind of have an open mind and you just never know who you're like, you know, you never know your next partner. You never know where things are going to come from. And I think it's also just like being realistic that it takes a lot of time. This is not something you get into for a quick buck. You know, it takes a long, long time. I don't know if you guys listen to hip hop, but it's like, I met Damon Dash, who used to own the head of Rockefeller Records. And he's like, just a lovely, lovely man. And like we were on we did Instagram live together. And it was just so cool. Like I grew up loving like Jay Z, like my favorite rapper, you know, so it's cool to see people like that. And Damon's like, you know, the work you're doing is important. I want to be involved. So it's like, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of people. It's just like putting it together and you just got to keep going. So I'm looking at all sorts of different kinds of partnerships and alliances and invest. You just never know who's listening. And it's one thing my brother told me, he was like, I remember when I was named in Forbes, I was excited. Then I was like, well, like, what's the difference? I still have like any money, you know? My brother's like, you just got to wait. You never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. And you just don't know, you know, where the magic is, where the angel is. So any opportunity to kind of
0: share what we're trying, what we're doing and Why we're doing it, I I welcome it. That's fantastic. So 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 apart from trying to raise money, what other challenges have you faced? You know, setting up and running Bakulu Power.
1: You know, I mean, I have just an just an internal challenge. Hmm. I had um, a deep insecure about a deep insecurity about not being an engineer. I was always like apologizing for not being an engineer. You know, but my brother said he's like, well, but. In your role, you don't have to be an engineer. An engineer might not even actually be able to do what your role requires. So hmm. another challenge would be balancing motherhood. You know, I'm not I'm am not married. I'm a single mother, and that would be a huge challenge. You know, I just have to Akiego. I just need to tell everybody. So I met Akiego at the African Union <laughs> summit about three years ago. I'm just saying, like oh, wow. I have. Had, no, I need to give you flowers because you gave me the first, like, really big opportunity. Like, I'm sitting at a table with Macky Sal and Yuhuru Kenyatta, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, like the president of GE Renewables, or one one version one version of GE. So that even that experience illustrates one of my challenges where I didn't have anyone to, for, for Naomi to stay with in Canada. So I need to bring her, but I didn't have anyone to watch her while I was working. So she was like eating ice cream. Remember we we're in the Sheraton in Addis and she's like eating ice cream on the patio with the driver. And I'm like running back and forth from the ballroom to check on my kid. Remember you were like, well, this is peculiar. <laughs> 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 never seen this before. And you know, and there's days when you can just bug it out, and it can kind of be like this funny story, and your kid got to see the world. But then there are days when you, you can't bring her, and she has to stay. And it's like I have my sisters. Yes, they help me. They're they're they're, they're like heaven. God bless them. But still, you're like I'm disturbing right. your day, and I'm disturbing your life, and then you feel bad and leaving her behind. But, so that kind of just like mother guilt. Mm-hmm. But then I tell myself, you know, even if I work downtown Toronto, I'd still have Mother's Guilt for some reason. Right. <laughs> it would still be there. So I'm um, like a lot of the challenges um I face are they're really like internal. They're really my own. And then I mean again, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention just the whole idea of being a woman in a man's industry. So that's a never ending challenge.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Those are such real challenges. This idea of imposter syndrome. Yes. You know, I think that's what that's kind of what what you were describing. How have you overcome it? I don't know if it's actually something you totally overcome, to be honest. Um, But how have you coped with it? Because you keep going. You know, we see you. You keep going. No, I
1: don't even know how. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. It's like I can't go. I overcame it by being insane. Like that's probably the true answer. But I mean, I think it's just you. Just have to keep going.
0: Did you do anything to close the knowledge gap?
1: I mean, going to Harvard Executive Business School that was very good for me. Um, in terms of learning, but not learning the way you'd probably think. I mean, learning. It's, but I learned a lot there. I Grew in that experience, and you just you just have to keep you just keep going. You know, I just I try and read a lot myself. I ask a lot of questions. I mean, one huge thing is just accepting that you know what you are going to be the idiot in the room for a very long time. You're going to ask the questions, and everyone's going to groan at how stupid your question is. But you have to ask because hmm. if, you know what I mean like. If you don't ask this base question, then people are going to be like, okay, she's full of it. You know what I mean? She's a phony. She's pretending where it's like, I want to know. I want to actually learn and do something here. So that's a huge thing. The willingness to just, you know, be a beginner. And, you know, I reference my brother all the time. Like, may God bless him. But he was, he helped a lot because he was like, you know, Lucy, no one's born knowing finance. It's not like you have the gift of finance. You learn, people learn, and you can learn. And he would always kind of say, you know, like, there's a level of knowledge you have to have in right. each parts of the business, but you're not supposed to be the expert in everything. He said, it would never make sense for you. You're going to go get a degree in engineering? Like, for what? So Harvard, I learned, and then just, just learning. And honestly, I learned a lot from just, like, conversations like this.
0: So, what's next for for Bakulu Power, and
1: what's next for you? Oh, honey, what's next for any of us this year? <laughs> you know, we—I almost—I almost shudder at the thought of. <laughs> no, but you know, honestly, we right now really excited. We're building a school. We're working with a French organization called United Green Living, super dope module school. Like this huge architect in France, and he's working with the architects in Uganda. So that is a huge. Huge excitement for me, for all of us, you know, and, you know, we work with um, an organization in Buvuma called Empowering Islanders. And I was talking to the the man who runs that today, and he was literally just texting me pictures of his kids. And, you know, he's like, oh, is that is that your daughter in the play picture? We're just talking about kids. And it's like that kind of stuff is like, okay, this is why even if I'm feeling insecure and I feel like I screwed up everything and I probably did screw up something. It's like you look at who you're really trying to work with, like what you're really trying to do. And at the risk of sounding corny, guys, I'm a mother, deal with it. I'm corny. Um, you know, you're like, okay, this is what it's about. This is what I care about. So this school is super important to me. And then it's just, you know, doing more projects because we know there's no shortage of people who need electricity. Hmm. Especially now everybody's obsessed with vaccines. Well, sweetheart, you need electricity, especially these vaccines.
0: Right, right. right.
1: Extra, extra cold.
0: Right. That's awesome. So my my last question if you had to give one piece of advice, we've talked about so many things. There's so much to learn from the conversation we've had. But if you could give one piece of advice to to female entrepreneurs, what, what advice would that be?
1: Just try. Just to try. Because I think that's where, you know, I, I think everything else comes from that. Like if you're willing to try, then you're willing to learn. If you want to try, you're willing to be embarrassed. You're willing to be wrong. And if you're trying, then you're going to, want to collaborate and I even tell Naomi sometimes I'm like you have to be willing to learn not everybody is and it sounds really stupid it sounds really um obvious and but a lot of people aren't
0: thank you so much Lucia that was real thank you that was Lucia Paji Wamala Founder and CEO Bakulu Power in Uganda. Lucia's story demonstrates that you don't have to wait until you're an expert to try. The learning is in the doing. Lucia has gone beyond power generation to social impact and we wish her all the best with this project. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not already subscribed, please do so on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review so we know how we're doing. I'm Akego Okoye and you have been listening to African Business Stories.